Lounge. You're li- you are listening to Education Today with uh, Kitty Kelly Epstein. I'm afraid we had to cut that just a little short. Stay tuned next. We have ahead of for you cover to cover. Today we have a special open book presentation by Ranjita Giesler. She brings a very special feature with Ethnotech, Asian American Storytelling Theater. Please stay with us. Once upon a time, mukashi, mukashi ni, a long time ago, unang panahon, and far, far away. These are the words that invite you into the magic of stories. Nancy Wong and Robert Kikuchi and Goho have been telling stories for the last 25 years. They are the founders of Ethnotech, Asian American Storytelling Theater in San Francisco. Ethnotech performs throughout the United States and abroad with several storytelling theater programs. They have seen the powerful impact that storytelling can have. These words, once upon a time, have been heard, you know, in some person's life somewhere along the route. And when they when they hear it, it's like they get this look that's that's magical. What I like about it is seeing the audience just go through like casting a spell and then of course with storytelling it touches heart it creates a community of listening and so it's got all the great things about art that, that touch people ethnotech's mission is to build cultural bridges that celebrate our humanity embrace our differences and create compassionate communities through the performance of asian and asian american stories that touch upon our universal truths robert says that storytelling is often misunderstood it's not just for children, but for people young and old. There have been storytelling traditions in all cultures around the world for thousands of years, and some are still very active and very live today. For adults, there are very sophisticated uh, myths and, and folk tales. Our stories are usually very value-oriented, so it touches their heart, it touches their imagination, and it touches where they are in life right now even though these stories are ancient. But that's why they've lasted this long, because they are so important. They have something to say and to convey. And stories would often imitate what was going on in the government, but using metaphor instead. And so even though the story might sound like it's about monkeys or about a fool, you know, or a trickster, it was actually about the czar or about, you know, your governor or something or like president. that. Or the kink or the president. And now, from Tibet, an ancient story that has lots of... Relevancy for now. Indeed. And we call this story Monkey, Monkey Moon. Moon. Namo, 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 namo. Once a golden full moon shone upon a beautiful forest with a beautiful pond. The pond was so smooth, so crystal clear, that the water's surface was like a big, bright mirror. Now near this pond stood a towering tree, and that was the home of a band of... Monkeys! Chit-chat-chittery! Chit-chit! 
and from high in the branches to the pond below, they looked and they saw <gasps> something aglow. Look down there, a golden moon. I want it. I want it. The monkeys croon. The moon. The moon. They screech with glee. When suddenly a voice said, "It's not for you. It's meant for me." Who? It was their monkey chief, their almighty king, who ruled over these monkeys and everything. That golden moon is mine alone, and I command this from my golden throne. I want it now, not later, not soon. Go get it for me. Go fetch that moon. So the monkeys lined up. In numerical fashion, hail their chief with patriotic passion. We'll, we'll fetch, fetch the, the moon, moon for you, dear chief. chief. If that's what you want, we'll be your thief. So one at a time, down a long, thin branch, each single monkey took a chance. Each stretched to fetch that golden disc. Oh, but each failed, though each monkey put his own life at risk. For the tree was quite tall, and the pond far below—a difficult task for any monkey, you know. The chief, now anguished and paled, jumped up and commanded, "Grab hand to tail!" Oh, hand to tail, chee 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 chee! They saluted their chief. Hand to tail, it shall be. So the first one climbed out on the limb, and the second one followed after him. The third and the fourth were right behind, and so on and so forth down the line. Hand to tail, chee 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 chee! Hand to tail, hand to tail, it shall be. And when not a single monkey remained, they cheered. Look, we've made a monkey chee 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 chain. Now the monkey at the bottom of that monkey chain, with all her might, she stretched and strained. She reached for that moon in the shining pool, but when she failed to reach it. The chief cried, "You fool! All of you are fools! You failed all night. Do I have to do it myself to get it done right?" Oh, down, down the chain he climbed as each monkey chattered and chimed. Hand, hand to, to tail, hand to, to tail, the, the chief, chief is coming. The monkeys hailed. Ah, the moon and the water was so golden bright that the king's eyes glowed golden with greedy delight. With the moon in my hands, I'll be the emperor of the night. So this very fat chap of a chief did reach. He stretched and he strained a magnificent feat. The monkeys cheered their big chief on as he bobbed up and down toward that moon in the pond. When suddenly above them was the tiniest of sounds. Snap! And when the monkeys looked up. The branch went crack.、Uh, down, down, down! Monkeys tumbling into the pool. These loyal little monkeys and their majesty, the fool. Splash went the king in his royal chain of commands, as a thousand little moons rippled through their dripping hands. The king uttered not a word. His wet head bowed. His dripping crown shining before his damp and crowned. All the other monkeys looked up and howled as a mocking golden moon slipped behind a silver cloud. Now it's more than all right to reach for the moon or to climb out on a limb, but to follow a foolish leader is to follow to a foolish. End. Chit chat, 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 chit
outperforms Pan-Asian and Asian-American stories spanning West, Central, South, and Southeast Asia, including Iraq, Afghanistan, India, Nepal, Bhutan, China, Japan, and Korea, Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, and Indonesia. They view Asian-American storytelling as an interweaving of the East and West. As Nancy Wong points out, all of the stories bring with them lessons. The stories that speak to us have some redeeming value that we find important, not only because we find it important, but because we want it to be important for other people, too. It usually has something to do with making life just better for everyone. Things that too often are forgotten these days, like the courage to tell the truth, uh, loving our trees... Balancing power and pointing out lies, contradictions. Mm-hmm. Um, Greed versus yeah. generosity. Even just pointing out the foibles, like a fool story, a trickster story, talks about just how foolish we can be. And maybe by seeing that, we look at our own foolishness. Storytellers have always held important positions in society. As village leaders, historians, priests or shamans, they are the keepers of the oral tradition, of cultural history, telling the future or teaching moral lessons. The artists who tell stories, there are different levels of that. So family storyteller, like parents telling stories to the kids, the role was, was as a conveyor of culture and morals and values. It taught history. It taught um, how to read the signs of nature through symbolism. And as the storytellers evolved into different levels of society, they became part of, of the court or part of the village, a very important key person that was right alongside with the the chief or the king and the storyteller was the was the one who listened to the community and then consolidated the community thought into metaphor and found the stories that taught the lessons or guided a community if a lesson needed to be uh, exemplified the rumor from the sufi tradition of pakistan there once was a town, a lovely town. Lovely houses, some tall, some round. Forests and gardens through which to stroll. Temples for people to bear their souls. Schools for children, look, smiling faces. Bustling crowds at the marketplaces. Now in this lovely town there were... Two, two neighborhoods, side by side. side. And between them, a fanciful stone wall with a beautifully carved gateway through which to pass. One neighborhood lived east of the wall. And the other west. Two Two neighborhoods side by side. Now one day, a man from the west side of town passed through the gate into the east side of town. The man was rubbing his eyes. Look, mother, blurted a young boy, pointing at the west side visitor. The man has tears rolling down his face. Hush, child, his mother signaled. Perhaps he has cried because someone has died on the other side. Died? Someone has died on the other side, asked the child. Unbeknownst to mother and child, the tearing man from the west had just finished cutting onions to bring to the east for his friend's curried stew. But soon mothers and children on the east side were muttering, Did you hear? Did you hear? Someone has died on the other side. Died on the other side? A death on the west side? death? A death? A A rumor rumor was was born. born. Within moments, that rumor on the east 
grew loud enough to be heard over the wall into the west. What's this I hear? Cocked the ear of a west side neighbor. Someone shouted, "Death on the other side!" Someone has died on the other side. Someone has died on the east side. Yes,、yeah, over there. I heard it too. Two, you say? That makes three. Three deaths on the east side. Oh me! And soon three turned to five. Five to ten. Ten to twenty. And twenty-four. As many as a hundred. Maybe more. They're, They're dropping, dropping like flies. flies. Now the neighbors on the east side could hear the shouts from the west, which further alarmed the east. Back and forth, the cries traveled over the wall, and one could only guess something horrendous, something hideous, something horrible. On the other, other side. side, and the speculative death count mounted by and by. Luckily. There were wise elders of both westerly and easterly persuasion, who tried reasoning with their prospective communities. Stay calm. Be wise. Why not send someone over to the other side to find out the truth? What? Are you crazy? Who would dare go through that gate in such dangerous and deadly tragedy? Unfortunately, as all too often, the wise were far outnumbered. Slam! Slam went the gate as doors were nailed up on both sides. Tap 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 tap. For all we know, it it's a, a plague. plague.、Ah! And another rumor was born. It infected one fearful ear to the next, leaving panic in its wake. And that panic poured over one side of the wall and back again, spreading faster than an epidemic. We'll, we'll all, all be doomed. doomed. We'll all be entombed. Someone do something. The two neighborhoods fumed. And so law and order intervened, and a total evacuation was decreed. The two neighborhoods fled for their lives, one heading east, the other to the west, deserting their once lovely town. Empty were the houses, some tall, some round, deserting their gardens and forests to stroll. Empty were the temples, not a single soul, deserting their schools. No smiling faces. Gone were the crowds at the marketplaces. Two neighborhoods. Once, Once side, side by side, side, in opposite directions, settled far and wide. Now these two towns, aged old through time, never remembering their common ground. For their final rumor was forever cast in history. Their heroic deeds and clever perceptions passed down with passion from generation to generation. A tale of harrowing triumph. A tale of narrow escape from the imminent doom of the others. Unimaginable, evil. Through storytelling, Ethnotech works to bridge cultural gaps while addressing universal issues. They weave movement and poetic voices with musical instruments, such as Japanese taiko drums and shakuhachi bamboo flutes of Asia. Robert says that the rhythm of the story and the music can't be separated. Storytelling is music for me. When I hear a story, I think of it in musical terms. I think of theme and variation, the percussive element, the rhythm of it of a story. I look for the image in the story and try to depict it how it would sound if words and language were music. I look at where does the story have lyricism, or where does the horn section need to come in, or where do we need to have the sounds of a drum beating? The words and the music and the concept of the story are seamless. And there was peace in the heavens and peace on earth until there came a day of pounding fury. Gong Gong, the god of water. Jurong, the god of fire, brought warring upon the earth. Fire fought water. Water fought fire. Fire rumbled. 
water tumbled. Scorching forests. Flooding valleys. Fouling rivers. Creatures drowned. Many humans destroyed. Might, Might make right to settle our score. We play gods because we are at war. Robert Kikuchi and Goho and Nancy Wong are celebrating 25 years of storytelling with Ethnotech this year. They continue to build bridges between communities through storytelling classes and community events. They are at the beginning stages of a project called Green Grows the Story, a project for children and youth to reconnect them to the natural world. There's two kinds of mythologies, one that connect us to our natural world and one that connects us to a certain culture or society. And it's really important at this time in our history that we begin to identify with the mythologies that connect us to the natural world. And so we're going to use our stories of that nature to target the K through 12 population because they are our future. They have to learn to once again reconnect themselves to nature because in our world right now, we're so urbanized and materialistic and consumer conscious so that there is no connection to to our nature that's why in our neighborhood there was a new tree that was trying to grow that someone planted and someone came and just broke all the branches off and you can only do something like that if you are so disconnected the way we raise our our animals to be slaughtered and and what we eat so we really need to be reconnected to our natural world so that we become true lovers of the earth and therefore willingly take on our stewardship of our earth. This is a story from Japan and it is about a willow tree. Long ago, in a small village in Japan, There stood a most beautiful willow tree beside a flowing river. Every villager admired the willow tree, but there was one youth in particular who loved the tree more than anyone else. His name was Heitaro. Each day that Heitaro passed the tree on his way to work in the fields, he would experience feelings filling his heart, and his feelings would turn into words that flowed out. Oh, willow tree, willow tree, how beautiful you are to me. You give me such calm, peace of mind, my soul, serenity. Willow tree, what would I ever do without you? And in response, it was as if the willow felt Heitaro's love, for somehow its branches would stir in a certain way, or so he liked to think. changes to the willow tree. 
In the springtime, Haytot would watch with wonder the way in which each small bud along the arching branches turned into new green leaves. And in the summer, he would sit under the lacy patterns of the leafy branches, reading or meditating. Oh, and in the fall, he watched with wonder as the green leaves slowly and miraculously turned yellow, each falling and covering the ground with a soft yellow carpet. And in the winter, he would gaze out of his window at the beautiful soft shapes of the snow that lay gently upon each branch. When a gust of wind blew, the snow would swirl off the branches, white glitter dancing up, 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 up through the air. And it was then that Haytown would make a wish, rush out to the tree, and if any of the swirling snow landed on his cheek, oh, he knew that the tree had granted him his wish, or so he liked to think. Willow tree, whatever would I do without you? Willow tree, whatever would I do without you? One day, Hey Taro overheard the villagers. Planning to build a bridge across the river. What, sh what shall we use to build our bridge? Why not use the willow tree? Honto! The willow has served us long enough as a beautiful tree. Now it is time for it to serve us as a bridge. Perfect. Hey, Toto was horrified. He burst into the crowd of villagers and pleaded for the willow to be spared. What does it matter to you, Hey, Toto? It is just a tree, after all. Just a tree. Just a tree. Just a tree? What do they mean, just a tree? Does not a tree offer cool shade from the hot summer sun, a place to rest when weary, and most of all, does it not offer its beauty and serenity to nurture our souls unselfishly? Never does a tree take anything from anyone, and yet it gives of itself so generously with all its splendor. Just a tree, and so Haytaro pleaded with the elders, and. He asked them to please take the the boulders and the stones and the rocks behind his cottage to build a a bridge of stone. He pleaded and he pleaded, and finally the elders agreed. And once again the willow tree seemed to thank him for it stirred its branches in a certain way, or so he liked to think. Years passed, and one day. As Heitaro, now a grown man, was passing under his beloved willow tree, he spotted a beautiful young maiden in the shadow of its branches. She seemed to be waiting for someone. Oh! Suddenly caught himself staring at her. Oh! I'm so sorry that I bother you while you wait for your friend. Oh! I need not wait any longer. Heitaro looked around and saw no one. Still not wishing to be rude, he simply said, oh, "I'm sure he will be here any moment." Oh, the moment has already arrived. Again, Hey Tuttle looked around, but once again there was no one. Uh, me? You're waiting for me? <laughs> Yes, Hey Tuttle. Oh, but how did you know my name? <laughs> no matter. My name. Is he go?
Oh, what a friendship was born that day! And months passed, and soon they fell in love and became man and wife. Now, although Higo would not talk about where she came from, and no villager seemed to ask about her, still Higo, by his side, gave him the same peace of mind that the willow tree gave him. And Higo loved the willow trees just as much as. Heitaro did, and their favorite season, it was autumn, for they would sit beneath the tree and talk for hours and hours. And as each yellow leaf fell one by one down upon her hair, it would make a golden crown upon her head. Oh, how they loved that tree together! <laughs> One day, as Heitaro was walking home, he once again saw a group of elders standing around the willow tree, with axes in their hands. Terrified, Heitaro ran up to them. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, Heitaro, you were right not to build the bridge with the willow tree. Now, the emperor has asked. That each precinct offer its finest timber to help build the new temple, honoring the goddess of mercy. Please, no, goddess of mercy. No, please have, have mercy on the willow tree. Oh, not again, Heitaro. It's just a tree. It's just a tree. And with that, they began to strike and strike and strike with their axes. He tried to stop them, but there were five of them to his one. Suddenly, he heard a terrifying scream. Oh. I know he go. It is a terrible thing. No, Hitaro, you do not understand. It is. It it hurts so much. Oh, I know he go, but we have each other now, and certainly we can bear this pain, this tragedy together. No, no, Hitaro. It is not just a tree. And with that, there was a thunderous roar. He go. He go. Don't look. Don't look. Higo, Higo, but there was no Higo. All that was left of Higo was one small yellow rat leaf. For Higo had been the spirit of the willow tree. Heitaro held that leaf close to his heart. He understood that to weep for one was to weep for the other. Enjoyed these folk tales and myths from the various Asian countries, and we encourage all of you to share stories, whether they be folk tales or myths or stories from your own history and your culture, stories of your parents and grandparents, and our great heritage here. 
If you'd like to find out more about Ethnotech, you can log on to the web at www.ethnotech.org. That's ethnotech.org. Also, if you want to reach us by phone, you can be reached at Rangita Giesler for for bringing us that feature with Ethnotech. Ethnotech will be at Movies in the Park on Thursday, June 14th at Dolores Park in San Francisco at 18th and Dolores. They will open the outdoor movie show at 8 p.m. For more information, go to www.doloresparkmovie.org. Also, Ethnotech will be holding a recital of storytellers in the Summer Story Fest, a storytelling festival on Sunday, June 17th at 3 p.m., located at 977 South Van Ness in San Francisco. And Saturday, June 23rd at 7 p.m., Ethnotech's Salon You're On, an evening of music, spoken word, and theater at the same location, 977 South Van Ness. This month's salon will feature lots of local brilliance from musicians, storytellers, and artists. All events are free. For more information, call 415-282-8705 or email info at ethnotech.org. And again, Ethnotech is spelled 